6ARN. News West, we are a community organisation and we've been serving up the best amateur radio news in Australia since 1931. Hi there, I'm Clinton VK6FCRC and welcome to the December 31st edition of News West. Yes, the last episode of News West for this year. Now on with the show. Write this date up on your new 2024 calendar now. Time, 09 hours. Day, Saturday. Date, 10 February. Place, Mandura Bowling Club. Address, 89 Allnut Street, Mandura. Just up the hill from the Mandura Railway Station. Purpose. Pargfest Swap Meet. The PL Amateur Radio Group Mega Raffle is on again now. Prizes will be drawn at the event on Saturday 10 February. Go to the PARG website at www.parg.org.au for information. Hi, I'm Steve, VK6SJ, with this week's episode of Did You Know? I had an opportunity to go to an East Coast ham event in early November, namely the Rosebud Radio Fest near Melbourne. Having been involved in assisting or leading the organisation of a few events, namely NCRG Hamfest and, and lighter involvement in Perth Tech and attending all other Perth events as well as other shows around Australia, and this year one major event in the US, it was interesting to see how Spark, Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Group, approached the day. On the surface, Rosebud had a very similar look to all of our events here in Perth. Raffle, big hall with lots of people selling stuff. Rotary had a caravan selling food and presentations, of which I also gave one. A few interesting points, though. Rosebud may well be the best ha- publicised ham fest in Australia, or at least up there. They start their marketing process about the time the last show ends, and it's reasonably constant up to the next event. Their website for the event is already up with next year's promotions. They approach potential presenters with plenty of notice and they put a lot of effort into finding interesting subjects and presenters. Rosebuck Radio Fest was held in a primary school and they were given access to the assembly hall, which has a stage, amenities and a classroom for presentations. The classroom size was good for the quality quantity of attendees, typically 20 to 30, the classroom was okay, presentation gear could do with a refresh, but it was largely fit for purpose. They put some effort into re- returning some value to presenters in terms of advertising and public- publicity, thanking presenters at the same time as the raffle presentations as well as leading up to the event. This was important for me as I was travelling to Victoria from Perth at my own expense and I was showcasing some cool products. This was my second time as a presenter and I would do it again. Interestingly, they got Rotary to park a caravan outside the hall for catering. Normally this is a big fundraiser for any of our events and often run by the club instead. Adding that to an organisation like Rotary was good for the community. Rotary does a lot for our local communities and also allowed the organisers to focus on the rest of the day's tasks. Definitely food for thought, pun intended. There was an above average amount of displays on and around the hall they even had a helicopter land from one of the public safety organisations. Cost of entry was $6. Must have been hell for the ticket takers, or maybe they just brought in lots of $2 coins for change. 
note that the event wasn't on the same weekend as Bathurst, AFL, NRL Grand Finals, or any of the big DX contests. There were a lot of tables occupied, very similar to our hamfests at Perth and Surrounds. A few vendors and a lot of others selling stuff. There were a lot of CBs for sale, so I suspect that the event also attracts a share of the recreational CB market. I can't seem to find a headcount for the day publicly described, but looking around the hall compared to our efforts, I suspect about twice as many attendees than our events. It should be noted, though, that we have a lot less than half the population of hams in Perth as Melbourne, so we aren't doing too bad in that arena. I left the hall around 1.30 to head to the airport, but the event was still going strong as I left. Some big takeaways for me were Rosebud's a good example of a local Australian ham event which has managed to combine all of the crowd drawers, raffle, flea market and forums into the one day. Seems to con- They seem to continue to look for things that will stand it out. For instance, in 2024, we'll have a solar observations demonstration. Having the forum in a different building was good and allowed the forum to work with no other distractions. Each of our great events in Perth have strengths and Rosebud managed to combine all of those into the one day. Looking at attendance of our days compared to Rosebud as well as how it was run, I don't think we're doing too bad in the West. I'm sure if any of us dug deep, we could improve on what we have, and we should do that. But we also hold up well to them tothersiders. On a different note, I started out this year to do one of these episodes each week, but averaged a bit more than one a fortnight. Due to work commitments and my fair share of writer's block, I'm really pleased to see Ono's Foundations of Abitur Radio back on air, so well done to all of those that made that happen. I'm happy to keep digging up stuff, but would also love to hear ideas from others as well, and I can do some research if need be. Thanks to everyone for all the nice things said about to me about the episodes. It certainly kept me motivated. Thanks to Barry Burns, who started writing his memoirs going back to the mid-50s in Amateur Radio. I look forward to continuing that story in the new year. Also thanks to the SSTV group for providing a couple of articles and to all listeners for putting up with it all. And I wish you all a happy new year. This is Steve BK6SJ and you're listening to News West. Last week I told you that Rasa's QTC magazine would be published on the Christmas weekend. It was. QTC for the fourth quarter 2023 is full of useful information for you in keeping with new developments in amateur radio that are creeping up on us. You can access QTC magazine as well as RASA's other free services for amateurs via the website vkradioamateurs.org. Did you get that? vkradioamateurs.org. And counting on my fingers, it's seven weeks and one day from today that the new class licensing for amateur radio in Australia commences, along with the new arrangements for examinations, with the ACMA bringing these back in-house. There's been a fair bit of speculation and guessing in amateur radio circles about the class licence. There's a good write-up in QTC magazine laid out so that we can understand what's happening. But really, when you look at it, for the average amateur, you know, the reasonable amateur in the pub, your day-to-day amateur radio life won't work any differently on the 19th of February than it was on the 18th. After you've read the class licensing item and are satisfied that the sky will not fall in, there's lots more in QTC to both inform and entertain. QTC Magazine is a true online, flip the pages on the screen magazine. It's also available as a PDF download if you prefer that format. And lastly, QTC Magazine is free. It's available to anyone who wants to read it. There's no requirement to be a member of any organisation.
Coming up a bit earlier in February is the Peel Group's Pargfest, and I'm planning to be there. It's a good day out. Pay some attention to their promos, and I hope to see you there. Most clubs took some sort of a break over the festive season, and it's time for them to start waking up and meeting soon. So good luck with your club's activities in 2024, and I'm Bob VK6POP. This is News West, your amateur radio news on VK6ARN, originating on the News West linked repeater network and HF Relays. Hi, just a little note about VK6RRG and the WAG Technical and General Net. Having it run every Sunday morning on VK6RLM, that's 146.750 or Channel 3 in the old money. And it starts at 10.30am this morning. Of course, if you're listening in the evening, it's next week. If you happen to listen to the right part of the 80 metre band on a Tuesday evening, you might hear something that sounds like this. The CQQRS net has been running every single Tuesday for the last two years and has been unbelievably popular. There are usually half a dozen, a dozen and a couple of times up to 18 stations, popping in and out when they can over the four or five hours. The aim is to encourage new CW operators to have a go at slow CW in a safe and really friendly environment where slow speed and lots of mistakes are par for the course. It's all about having a go, starting with a basic call sign and RST exchange, then over time getting better and better. The net also attracts its fair share of old-timers who enjoy helping others to have a go or just to enjoy the banter. So this might be just the opportunity you've been waiting for to have a go at transmitting on CW or perhaps just to stop the contacts rusting up on your key. Doesn't matter whether you're brand new to the code or if you're an old-timer who would like to have a bit of fun and help encourage new operators by having simple, safe QSOs at their speed, we'd love to have you join in. The net starts at 0900 Zulu every Tuesday on 80 metres between 3540 and 3570 kHz, and there's stations in the west, east and in between listening out for your CQQRS call. For more information... And to receive our weekly CQQRS RAGCHU newsletter, contact me, Mark, VK6QI, via my email address on qrz.com or you can email me direct, mark.bosma at icloud.com. That is M-A-R-K dot B-O-S-M-A at icloud.com. Too much switch mode power supply hash on 80 metres? This might be the incentive to do something about it. With a cheap noise cancelor costing less than $100, 80 metres could be easier than you think. So once again, Tuesdays from 0900 Zulu until late, between 3540 kHz and 3570 kHz. Cheers from Mark, VK2KI and VK6QI. 
Hello everyone, this is Clive, VK6CSW, reminding you that, as per usual, there is no Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club broadcast in January. The first REOTC Bulletin for 2024 is scheduled for Monday, February the 5th. However, the next lunchtime meeting for members and friends of the REOTC in Perth is on Tuesday, January the 9th at the Woodbridge Hotel, 50 East Street, Guildford. We meet at 11.30 for midday lunch. An attractive, well-priced seniors menu is available, which can be viewed online. Everyone's welcome to join in and have an eyeball QSO. There's adequate car parking, but if you're coming by train, be sure to alight at Guildford East. That's Guildford East Station. Full details are on the club website at www.raotc.org.au under the heading Luncheons. Once again, there is no REOTC broadcast tomorrow, but the Perth Luncheon at the Woodbridge Hotel in Guildford will be held on January the 9th. On behalf of the REOTC, I hope that everyone has had an enjoyable Christmas and we give you best wishes for a happy, healthy and safe new year. 7-3 from Clive, VK6CSW. Well, Happy New Year. What else is there to say? A few things, I guess. Firstly, a big thank you to everyone involved in News West, those who submit news items through to those who broadcast the news and, of course, those who listen. You're pretty important. A big thanks to Clinton for heading up News West production. You've done us proud, mate. So what are we in for in 2024? The safe thing to say is more of the same. However, new things may happen. Clinton's already producing a video version of News West, and you can access that via a link that he provides in the weekly bulletin announcing News West for the week. If current trials of amateur TV for the metro area are successful, News West may become a regular feature in its program. Perth Tech 2023 was a resounding success, however, the fundraising to support it didn't meet targets. We were a dollar and a bit short of breaking even, however, there was nothing left over to kick us off for the next one. Perth Tech 2024 is in the we-are-thinking-about-it stage, so there's a lot to decide about content and how we fund the event. It seems everyone is doing the big raffle these days and the market has been overcooked. We may have to consider another new idea. In the coming year, I encourage you to continue to support News West by contributing and, of course, listening. Please don't tell me that you simply don't have time on Sundays to listen in, because, be that as it may, you can listen to News West at any time, any day, by downloading the MP3 from our website, vk6.net. Well, that's about my blooming lot. Happy New Year from the WA Amateur Radio News team, and let's see if we can cram more into our amateur radio lives in 2024. After all... There's an extra day in which to do it. I'm Bob VK6POP. Here's a spot from WAG. Have you considered becoming a member? $25 a year. It's got to be one of the cheapest memberships in the country. Do you use the repeater? Well, you're using the repeater now if you're listening on two metres. Or, for that matter, just listening to the news on any frequency. Because the linked repeater network is the beginning point for listening to VK6ARN. 
But repeaters are fun things. You don't have to just listen. You can actually kerchunk them. Or get on air and make some noise, as Ono might say. If you get on air and make some noise on the repeaters, please do consider joining the repeater group. That's all we want to say from WAG for now. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark VK6FIVE for VK6RRG. This is News West, your amateur radio news on VK6ARN, originating on the News West Linked Repeater Network and HF Relays. Foundations of Amateur Radio. Today I'm going to spend a little longer with you than usual, but then I think this is important and it's good to end the year on a bang. Have you ever attempted to make contact with a specific DXCC entity and spent some time exploring the band plan to discover what the best frequency might be to achieve that? If you got right into it, you might have gone so far as to attempt to locate the band plan that applies to your particular target. If you have, what I'm about to discuss will not come as a surprise. If not, strap yourself in. When you get your license, you are hopefully presented with a current band plan that is relevant to your license conditions. It shows what frequencies are available to you, which modes you can use where, and what power levels and bandwidth are permitted. It should also show you if you're the primary user or not on a particular band. If you're not sure what that means, some frequency ranges are allocated to multiple users, and amateur radio, as one such user, is expected to share. If you're a primary user, you have priority, but if you're not, you need to give way to other traffic. It should come as no surprise that this is heavily regulated, but as a surprise to some, it changes regularly. Across the world, frequency allocation is coordinated by the International Telecommunications Union, the ITU, and specifically for amateur radio, by the International Amateur Radio Union, the IAIU. It coordinates frequencies with each peak amateur radio body. The ITU divides the world into three regions, Region 1, 2 and 3, each with its own band plan. Within each region, a country has the ability to allocate frequencies as it sees fit, presumably as long as it complies with the ITU requirements. As a result, there is not one single picture of how frequencies are allocated. And this is where the fun starts. In Australia, there's an official legislated band plan, cunningly titled Foxtrot 2021 Lima 00617. It contains the frequencies for all the radio spectrum users, as well as a column for each ITU region. The document is 200 pages long, and comes with an astounding array of footnotes and exclusions. It's dated 21 May 2021. There's a simplified version published by the Wireless Institute of Australia, which comes as a 32-page PDF. It was last updated in September 2020. When I say, quote, simplified, unquote, I'm of course kidding. It doesn't include the 60-metre band, which, according to the regulator, is actually an amateur band today. The 13-centimetre band, according to the WIA, shows a gap between 2302 and 2400, where the regulator shows it as a continuous allocation between 2300 and 2450 megahertz. The point being, who's right? What can you actually use? 
Oh, the WIA does have a different page that shows that 6 metres has some additions, but they haven't bothered to update their actual band plan. To make life easier, the regulator includes helpful footnotes like AUS87. This is particularly useful if you want to search their PDF to determine what this actually says, since it only appears 156 times, and it's not a link within the document. In case you're curious, it's related to three radio astronomy facilities operated by the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation, better known as the CSIRO, two by the University of Tasmania, and one by the Canberra Deep Space Network. Interestingly, the Australian Square Kilometre Array and the Murchison Widefield Array don't feature in those particular exclusions. They're covered by footnote AUS103. If that wasn't enough, the regulator has no time for specific amateur use. You can find the word amateur 204 times, but there's no differentiation between the different classes of license, which means that you need to go back to the WIA document to figure out which license class is allowed where. Which, of course, means that you end up in no man's land if you want to discover who is permitted to transmit on 2350 MHz. If we look further afield, in the USA, the ARRL publishes half a dozen different versions, each with different colours, since black and white, grayscale, colour and web colour are all important attributes to differentiate an official document. Of course, those versions are now all six years out of date, having been revised on the 22nd of September 2017. The most recent version, in a completely different format, only in one colour, has all the relevant information. It shows a revised date of 10 February 2023, that or 2 October 2023, because of course nobody outside the US is ever going to want to refer to that document, seeing as there's only amateurs in the USA, well, at least according to the ARRL. Interestingly, the U.S. Department of Commerce, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration Office of Spectrum Management, publishes a colourful chart showing the radio spectrum between 3 kHz and 300 GHz. You can't use it as a technical document, but it's pretty on a wall to amaze your non-amateur friends. The FCC has a band plan page, but I couldn't discover how to actually get amateur-related information from it. If you think that's bad, you haven't seen anything yet. The British are special. The RSGB publishes a variety of versions, each worse than the next. It appears that their system creates a single HTML page for each band. Their 32-page PDF is a printout of that, and their interactive viewer wraps all that into some proprietary system that makes using it an abysmal experience. Fortunately, they also link to a band plan made by the regulator, presented as a five-page PDF, which is much more concise and has the helpful heading, The following band plan is largely based on that agreed at IAIU Region 1 General Conferences, with some local differences on frequencies above 430 MHz. Unfortunately, it doesn't specify which particular general conferences apply, but it does helpfully tell us that it's effective from the 1st of January 2023, unless otherwise shown. That said, 2023 only appears in the headers and footers and 2024 doesn't appear, so who knows what date exceptions exist. One point of difference is that the RSGB also publishes their band plan as an Excel workbook. This might start your heart beating a little faster with visions of data entry, sorting, filtering and other such goodies, like figuring out which frequency to use for a particular mode. 
Unfortunately, the authors have used Excel as a tool for making tables, like you'd see in a word processing document. Start and stop frequencies in the same cell, random use of megahertz, spacing between bandwidth and frequencies, and descriptions intermingled. In other words, this is not an Excel workbook, and it does not contain information in any usable form, unless you want to do some free text searching across the 32 worksheets. What is it with 32 anyway? Perhaps this is their authoring tool and they save as HTML from within Excel or print to PDF. Who knows? One point that their British do get right is version control. You can see specifically what change was introduced when. For example, on the 6th of March 2009, the 17-metre QRP frequency was corrected to 18,086 kilohertz. Mind you, there's several pages of updates, helpfully scattered across multiple worksheets. Yes, they're really using Excel as a word processor. Before I dig into any other countries, I should mention the United Nations Amateur Radio Peak Body, the IARU, presumably a model that countries should aspire to. The IARU has links to three different sets of band plans. Region 1 breaks the band plan into HF and higher frequencies, and the higher frequencies are broken into notional bands, each with their own PDF. Regions 2 and 3 each provide a single PDF, but the Region 3 document is hosted on the Region 2 website. Region 1 documents contain a revision and an active date, as well as an author. Region 2 and 3 documents contain a date and are formatted completely differently. In Germany, the DARC attempts to link to the IARU Region 1 band plan, but the link is pointing at a non-existent page. In the Netherlands, VERON points at a 2016 edition of the IARU Region 1 HF band plan and the current Region 1 mixed band plan for higher frequencies. In Canada, the RAC points at a HTML page for each band and presents all the HF frequencies as a single image. Yes, an image. All the other bands are essentially text describing how to use a particular band. The HF image states that it applies from the 1st of June 2023. The rest of the pages carry various dates that conflict with each other. For example, the 2-meter band states on the landing page that it was updated on the 23rd of September 1995, but the page itself refers to a new 2-meter band plan that was approved in October of 2020. The linked band plan contains all the credits who is responsible for the plan, naming the entire committee, adding notes and requesting donations, straight from the RAC newsletter, page 36 and 37 of the November-December 2020 edition, rather than providing a standalone technical document. Let's hop back across the Atlantic and see what else we can learn. In Switzerland, things are a little different. Its regulator publishes a frequency allocation plan that is a thing of beauty. It presents as a table on a web page, but it has a search box you can use to filter the frequencies that you're interested in. So if you use the word amateur, you end up seeing the whole amateur radio spectrum as it exists within the borders of Switzerland. You can also set frequency ranges, and as a bonus, if you type in 1 MHz and change the unit to kilohertz, it actually changes the number to 1000. As I said, a thing of beauty. Oh, and the footnotes? Yeah, they're links, and they open a new window with the relevant information. And you can keep clicking deeper and deeper until you get to the actual legislation driving that particular entry. If that's not fancy enough for you, from within the search, you can download an offline HTML copy. You can pick services rather than use search terms, and the PDF version, because of course there is one, actually has the same active links to footnotes. 
That said, it has some idiosyncrasies. It specifies when amateur radio is the primary or secondary user of a band, except when it doesn't. I presume that this is a regulatory thing and that it's a shared resource, but as an outsider, I'm not familiar with Swiss law. But if I was inclined, I could become familiar, since the documents are all written in multiple languages, including English. Another oddity is that some frequencies show no text at all, but I presume that's a bug rather than by design. Speaking of bugs, or features depending on your perspective, consider the frequency 2300 MHz. Every single document I looked at mixes up how this is shown. Some have a space between the number and the unit, some don't. Some countries put a space between the two and the three, some a dot, some a comma. The Swiss use an apostrophe. Just so we are clear, these are technical documents we're talking about. They're not literary works, they're standards for how to use this, but it seems that the people writing these documents are blissfully unaware of any such references. Even the IARU cannot agree on how to represent the same number, let alone use the same formatting for the same band plan in each of its three regions. At this point, you might come to the conclusion that this is all an abhorrent mess, and I'd agree with you. In my opinion, it goes directly to how important our hobby is in the scheme of things and just how little funding is allocated to our activities. It also shows that there are contradictory sources of truth and not a single unified view on how to present this information to the global amateur community. In case you're wondering why that matters, electromagnetism doesn't stop at the political boundaries of the location where we might find ourselves. And if that doesn't matter to you, consider again how you'd best talk to an amateur of any given DXCC entity and on what particular frequency you might achieve that. So, aside from whinging about it, what can you do about this? I have started a project, of course I have, that attempts to document two things. Well, three. First of all, I use the WIA version of the DXCC list, since the ARRL doesn't actually publish that for free anywhere, and use that to track a list of hopefully official frequency allocation documents. I'm also in the process of capturing the content of each of those documents into a database, so we can all figure out what the best frequency is to talk to another country. I'm still in the design stages for the database. For example, do we want to store a frequency in hertz, in kilohertz, or pick a magnitude and store a number? Each of these choices has long-term implications for using the tool. Then there's things like discovering which band plan applies to Scarborough Reef, the San Felix Islands, and Pratus Island, to name a few, since I've really only scratched the surface with the plans I've explored. I had visions of putting this on GitHub, but perhaps this should be part of the Wikipedia collection, and it should live there. I'm still considering the best plan of attack. In the meantime, you can help. Please send an email to cq at vk6flab.com with the official band plan link for your own DXCC entity. And if you have thoughts on how best to structure the database or where this project should live, let me know. For example, should the database include just band plans, or should we also include things like modes? For example, the official VK6 calling frequency for 40 meters is 7.093 MHz. Should that be in the database, and should we include the preferred Olivia calling frequency? While looking at that, consider the band labels we use. Australia doesn't have a 75-metre band, but others do. Some countries refer to the 4-millimetre band, others refer to it by frequency. So, over to you. Let me know what you think. I'll leave you with a quote by Darren 2 Echo Zero Lima X-Ray Yankee. 
It is not the class of license the amateur holds, but the class of the amateur that holds the license. I'm on it. Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. Lima Alpha. This is News West, your amateur radio news on VK6 ARN, originating on the News West linked repeater network and HF relays. Good morning, everyone. This is the last helpline for the year. Brand new year tomorrow. This is the helpline for the 31st of December 2023. What do I have for you today? From Glenn, VK6 Lima Golf Bravo. He has a high gain antenna, is a TH3 Junior, three element tri band Yagi antenna for sale. It's an antenna for 10, 15, and 20 meter bands. It's new, not used. Comes in the box, ready for assembling. The antenna normally costs about nine nine five Australian dollars, and is on for sale at the moment for only five hundred and fifty to a good home. It can be driven up to six hundred watts with an average gain of five point eight dBd and a front to back ratio of about twenty five dB average. And the pickup from the Rockingham area or can be delivered locally. If you're interested, contact Glenn. His phone number is zero eight. Nine five nine two seven nine one five at zero eight nine five nine two seven nine one five or email to VK six Lima Golf Bravo at hotmail dot com. Victor Kilo six Lima Golf Bravo at hotmail dot com. Thanks, says Glenn. That's all I have for you for this time. I trust that you had a very good Christmas and I wish you a very happy and prosperous new year. And I'll meet again in the year 2024. Until then, 73 for Roy, VK6X-Ray Victor. And my email address is roy.watkins at bigpond.com. You may notice that NewsWest has been light on for content lately, and I've been playing a lot of repeat stories, but you can help us to change that by sending your stories or contributions through to newswest at vk6.net. Hi there, it's Clinton, VK6FCRC, back with you. And did you know that NewsWest is now on YouTube? Type in youtube.com forward slash at NewsWest weekly podcast dash Kilo Zulu 7 Yankee Charlie. Oh, and before I go, I'd like to thank those watching on YouTube or ATV, the readers, and you for listening. I'd also like to thank our team, the broadcasters, and those submitting content each week. Please stand by now callbacks after the broadcast or head over to the vk6.net website and fill out the form so we know how many people are listening each week